Our scripture came from Luke's gospel, the 17th chapter and the 11th through the 19th verses. And I'll read it again so that we're all on the same page. While he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. In Matthew's gospel, the fifth chapter and the 45th verse, we find these words. That ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. The fact that the rain falls on both the just and the unjust leads us to understand that there are things that God provides to all of us whether we are deserving of them or not. The fact that you may be a saint, at least in your own eyes, or an incorrigible urchin does not change the fact that there are certain principles upon which God operates that is independent of you and me. For many of us, we understand the providential nature of God based on our own sense of fairness and justice. And because we think this way, two things are true. Number one, if it were up to us, we would only give blessings to the people who we think deserve it. If it were up to us. Secondly, we think that when God is not blessing us, the way we think we should be blessed, then we must have done something wrong or have failed God in some way. These are the two ways that we think. And both of these thinking, ways of thinking, makes us, one, unrighteous judges, but it also places us in the company of the self-condemned. This is why it's such a good thing that God is nothing like us. And he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on both the just and the unjust. So the truth is, God alone is God. And because he is God, he is the only one who determines who is blessed and who is not. But when God chooses to bless us, whether we are deserving or not, it is very important to know that we now have an obligation to make sure that we express gratitude for what God has done. So today, as we prepare for our 
celebration of Thanksgiving this week, and um, I want to shift the conversation just a little slightly, just a little bit, and instead of talk so much about Thanksgiving and thankfulness and gratitude and gratefulness, I want to kind of look a little bit at this issue of ingratitude. As such, I'll be speaking from the subject, healed but not saved. So there's a little story about a man who traveled to a distant city on business. And while walking through the city, he happened upon a man whom he'd known since his childhood, a man he had known for many, many years. The man that he met was, had fallen on hard times, and he actually had now become a homeless beggar on the street. So the businessman, after talking with his friend for some time and, and feeling a weight of sorrow for his friend, decides that he would press a $50 bill in his hand just before walking away. Several years had passed, and the businessman was once again going through that same city, and he happened upon his same friend who was still homeless and still a beggar. The man spoke with his friend again for a little while, but this time, instead of pressing a $50 bill in his hand, he pressed only $10. The homeless man, looking at the $10, said, what's this? The last time you were here, you gave me $50. Now, this time, only 10? The businessman replied, well, friend, since the last time we saw one another, I've gotten married, I bought a house, and I've even had a child. My expenses now are far greater than what they were when I last saw you. So the homeless man goes, oh, I see. You're trying to raise your family on my money. You see, ingratitude is really an attitude that finds its root not in what you have received or what you have gotten, but in what you expected to get. It is a state of mind that is based on an entitlement mentality and it is one of the few things in life that can that can really destroy a relationship in an instant yes, sir. Yes, sir. but ingratitude is a little more and a little deeper than just mere entitlement it is actually a condition that is closer to spiritual immaturity you see infants and children do not always appreciate what their parents do for them they, they, they have very short memories. And because of this, their concern is not based on what you did for them yesterday, but what you're doing for them right now and today. The past is meaningless to them. And quite frankly, so too is the future. They, o they only live for the present. And their only thought is based on Janet Jackson's quip, what have you done for me lately? Now, we can expect that kind of attitude, or should I say ingratitude, from children. And we pray that they eventually grow up and grow out of it. We can only pray. But what do you do when you see this kind of behavior being exhibited by grown adults? 
What do you do when you see people who should really be grateful for whatever it is that is going on in their lives? However, God has blessed them, all the things that God has placed in their circle, and yet they, they, they go around acting as if you owe them something. Brothers and sisters, let me be very, very clear. God owes us nothing. This is the kind of ingratitude that we see in that homeless man. Thank you for the $10 I didn't have. Not what is this for what you didn't give, which was yours to give in the first place. So what do we do with people like that? As a church community, we are called to love everybody. That's why I'm glad I'm not God. Because I can tell you right now, ingratitude gets at my very core. But fortunately, our text in the Gospel of Luke gives us a clue about how Jesus deals with such a matter. Our text tells us that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And on his journey, he had to pass through Samaria and Galilee. Now, the key thing to recognize in the story and why Luke is telling us this little bit of information is that by Jesus going between Samaria and Galilee, it means that there's a high likelihood that Jesus was going to encounter both Jews and Gentiles in his journey. The Jews from Galilee and the Gentiles from Samaria. Typically, though, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Gentiles were actually considered no different from dogs. And as such, they were treated with utter disdain. If you're not quite sure what I'm getting at, to be a, to be a Samaritan means that you were really kind of segregated from regular society. It, it meant that you could not go to the same school as a Jew, nor could you eat from the same lunch counter if you are a Samaritan. You, you, you had water fountains that said Jews only. And you had to be very careful not to offend Jewish women for fear of being stoned. Do you see the picture of the Samaritans? You, you, you may recall the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. And in that meeting, in John 4 verse 9, the text says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink, and the text says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you is something that is as old as time itself. We are predisposed to thinking that we are better than other people for whatever the reasons are. For whatever the reasons are, we are all in our spirits and in our souls and in our minds guilty of thinking for one reason or another we are better than someone else. Now, if that's not the height of ingratitude, I don't know what is because not one person in this room could have made themselves. You couldn't breathe the breath of life into your own bodies. So who in the world do you think you are? You also recall the story of the Good Samaritan. What many people know is that it's a wonderful story, but it's actually a play on words by saying the good Samaritan. In other words, there's an expectation that Samaritans are not worthy or deserving of anything from God. Furthermore, they don't do anything good because they are nothing more than dogs and scourges of the earth. So the story to the Jewish mind finds its remarkable attribute in the fact that the priest went by, the Levite went by, but this Samaritan had mercy on the fallen man. 
So, so, so there's an expectation that these people are unworthy. And right away, Luke is bringing us face to face with our own prejudice as Jesus encounters both Jews and Gentiles, the chosen and the rejected, the favored and the scorned, the accepted and the discarded, the believer and the unbeliever. In other words, both you and me. But on his way, Jesus enters a village. And we are told that there are ten leprous men that end up calling out to him from a distance. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. <laughs> you see, these, these, these ten men, these lepers, had formed a company or a band. They were the lepra crew. And it seems that they were living in greater harmony with each other through the commonality of their suffering than they would have done if they were healthy. Their mutual pain and suffering may have softened some of their natural jealousies so that there was at least one who was a Samaritan in the crew while the others were Jews. You see, this new relationship has given new meaning to the old proverb, you know how it goes, birds of a feather flock together. For somehow, this common disease had broken down the racial and the religious barriers between leprous Jews and leprous Samaritans. You see, it's bad enough to be a Samaritan. It's an entirely different thing to be a leprous Samaritan. And in the common tragedy of their leprosy, they remembered their humanity, and they were all sick people that had a need to be made well. The need for social, cultural, religious, and racial segregation was now gone. You a leper? I'm a leper? Nobody wants us? We got each other. But brothers and sisters, sickness, diseases, and likewise poverty does not discriminate. And when you are in dire straits, misery loves company, any kind of company. As that, and as it now stands, both groups had problems, and both groups were in desperate need of help from the master. Now, I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message, and I thought to myself, I said, self, if common sickness could make lepers and disease-torn people into a common band, how much more should a common band be joined with Christians who are merciful, have love for one another? If bad things and diseases can cause people to cling together, shouldn't mercy and love and justice and fair play and fairness and goodness and all of that be something that pulls Christians and believers together? Should it not? But somehow it doesn't. Because the truth of the matter is, once you are well, you think you don't need anything, not even God. Now, there's something that you need to understand about this thing called leprosy. <laughs> leprosy was probably one of the most dreadful diseases of the time, and there were no cure for leprosy. As a matter of fact, it was such a hideous disease that it disfigured your bodies, and it, it caused you to have these sores and all these things all over your body. It disfigured, and dis, you, you, know, you lost fingers and your digits and your toes. and I mean, it was just completely a disgusting disease. And to make matters worse, it was highly contagious. 
So what you find happening is that anyone who had leprosy, they were like outcasts. Stay over there with your leper self. But as bad as the physical uh, 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 defilement was, there was something much worse. And that was the emotional isolation that comes with such a dreadful disease. You see, you could love your wife and your husband or your sister or your cousin or your brother, your family members. You could love them dearly. But believe me, once leprosy hits, they are on their own. They are disconnected from society. They are disconnected from their family. They are disconnected from everything. And the thing which is central to Jewish life was being able to worship God in the temple. And obviously because they are lepers, they can't even go to the temple, which means that not only are they isolated from each other, from their families, they are now isolated from God. But the, the text tells us they walk around the town. Leper one, leper two. And as they're walking around town, they go from village to village. Now, interestingly enough, if, if someone is a leper and they're walking down the street and they see a normal person coming down the street, they are required by law to cover their mouth, cover themselves, and shout out, unclean, 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 so that people would know that they were, just imagine that for a moment. You have to advertise your issue when you're walking down the street. And oh, by the way, if a leper decides that they're going to just show the love of God and hug someone, that person can be stoned lawfully. So I want you to kind of see the picture of this leper. They have to keep themselves segregated. They have to keep themselves away. And now the Bible tells us that they're in this village and along comes this man called Jesus. You see, they know who he is and they address him, as the text tells us, as master, which means that they understand his authority and they ask him to have mercy on them. Can you see these lepers, all ten of them? Ten lepers. Outcasts in society. Outcasts from their family and their friends. Stigmatized because of their skin. Ostracized because they offer no value to their communities. Carrying a highly contagious disease considered most unclean. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that while many of us may not be exhibiting these ugly outward diseases like leprosy, doesn't mean that even in our own lives, in our own social circles, in our own families, sometimes we feel any different from lepers. If you can relate to feeling isolated, abandoned, cut off, ridiculed, mocked, passed over, bullied, overlooked, and neglected, chances are you just might be an emotional leper. Now, the text tells us that when these ten lepers called out to Jesus to have mercy upon them, they knew that he had the ability to heal them. In fact, this was not the first time that we're told that Jesus had healed a leper. Back in Luke 5 and 12, here's what we see. It says, while Jesus, now this is back in early Luke, right? It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Hallelujah. I'm willing, he said. Be clean. 
And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. You see, there's a couple of things I want to see in this text. Number one, Jesus touched the leper. Don't touch lepers, they're unclean. But the beauty I love about that text is, you know, if, 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 if a leper touched you, you become unclean. But if a leper touches Jesus, a leper becomes clean. You see, it doesn't work the other way around because Jesus is Jesus. So you got to know who you need to be touching or who needs to be touching you. Secondly, Jesus said, be clean. Be clean. And, 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 and the man was clean instantly. I mean, Jesus is some kind of Jesus, right? Jesus told him, go show yourself to the priest. All of this we see in the text. But, but, but I love the part that it says, don't tell anyone. But the news of his, the healing spread all over the town. And everyone was coming to Jesus to be healed of this dreaded disease called leprosy. But in our current text, Jesus took a different approach. Healing these 10 lepers, look with me carefully again what Jesus did, right? The text tells us that it says, when he saw them, right? It says, as he entered the village, they said, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. So here's what we see. Number one, he saw them. Number two, he told them, go show yourselves to the priest. And number three, they were cleansed as they were going. Now, now, the differences here are obvious and they are striking. But they beg the question, why the different approach? Why did Jesus not touch them the way he did before? Why did he not heal them first and then send them to the priest? What's Jesus doing and what is he trying to show us? Well, here's what I think. Now, this is the part where I shift from Holy Spirit work to my work. This is what I think. Number one, Jesus is God. Which means he's not limited in his ability to bring healing and deliverance to people. Not because Jesus did it this way means he's got to do it that way. He is God. He can do whatever he wants, anytime he wants, wherever he wants, and with whomever he wants. But I also believe that Jesus didn't touch them because he would have had to do it ten times. Why do I have to do ten, ten, one, one? Jesus don't want to touch you ten times. He just needs to say the word. Say the word. Just say the word. Ten, hundreds, thousands, millions can be healed if he just says the word. Because he is Jesus. Listen, Jesus is God. And as a matter of fact, in his omnipotence, he can demonstrate his power any way that he wants. There is nothing that is too hard for God. He is a disease-defying, a leprosy-healing, a blind-eye-opening, a limb-restoring, a dead-awakening, a death here healing. He's a dumb mouth speaking. He's a cripple lame walking. He's a demon outcasting. He's an issue of blood stopping miracle worker. And his name is Jesus. Recognize who he is. Just like the lepers, they call out Jesus master. Have mercy upon us. When Jesus passes your way, you need to have enough sense to know that you can call to the master and he will see you. And with one word, he doesn't even need to touch you. He doesn't even need to come under your roof. He just needs to say, be healed.
healed and your healing comes. He is the deliverer. He is the way maker. He is God Almighty. He is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He is immutable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is Jesus and he is God all by himself. I am glad that he is my savior. That he sees my every need. And that he knows what I need from him. And he is willing to make me healed. Secondly, I believe Jesus wants to see faith. What I mean by this is by first sending them to the priest. It was a demonstration of faith at work. You see, these lepers had no doubt who Jesus was. That he had the ability to heal them. They knew enough about Jesus to know that he could do what he said he would do. You see, as I read before in the text in Luke, what did I tell you? Jesus had already healed a leper. They know, listen, if there's a person in town that can heal you of your issue, believe you me, you're going to know about it and you're going to find them. Jesus wasn't a secret. They were glad that he was making his way through Samaria and through to Galilee. They were glad he was coming into their village. Brothers and sisters, are you glad when Jesus is coming into your town? Are you excited and happy to know that Jesus is on his way and he just might pass your way? But the healing, if it were to come for these lepers, had to come through their obedience to what Christ had told them to do. Third, and finally, Jesus wants a testimony. The text tells us that they were cleansed while they were on their way to the priests. When the cleansed leper would go to the priest, the priest would have to look at them and say, well, you are in fact clean, but he couldn't give no credit anywhere else other than to Christ. You see, the lepers knew that Jesus could clean them, but the priest probably had doubts about it. So Jesus says, listen, on your way to the priest, go let him look at you. You see, priests weren't doctors. No, no, no. They couldn't heal people. They didn't have that kind of skill set. But what priests were, they were professional diagnosers of leprosy. If you read the book of Leviticus, you will see easily how they know what every pimple means. Ooh! And they would cast you out. They were professionals. And so they know when you have leprosy and they know when you don't. So when they got to the priest, the priest would see that they were cleansed and there would be no other glory that could be given anywhere else but to Jesus Christ. This was a miracle testifying to the glory of God. Now the text goes on to tell us, now one of them, this is where we end up. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And the text tells us he was a Samaritan. Of the ten lepers that received the healing, only one feels a compunction to turn around and to head back to Jesus and to give thanks and glory to God. Only one. The behavior here suggests that this man in his dealing had an experience and an encounter with Jesus, with God. But here's what I want you to see, which is very subtle in the text. The Bible tells us, look carefully at verse 12. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance. See? The lepers are over here. And Jesus is over there where Eve is sitting. 
And they shout out, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And what's peculiar is Jesus over there sees them. And then he says, go show yourself to the priest. So when they started moving towards the priest, they were increasing the distance between them. They were moving further away. But in their obedience, they got healed. They did what Jesus asked them to do. And as they were moving, one of them said, hold up. I don't need to be any further away from Jesus. For I have met the master. And when I've had an encounter with the master, I need to get a little closer to the master. I need to move a little closer. I don't want this distance between them. So the Bible tells us he falls to his knees and he gives Jesus thanks and he gives glory to God. You see, the thing about it is when you have an encounter with Jesus, you don't want to be further away from him. You need to get as close to him as you can. This is what's going on in the text. I need me just a little more. Jesus, one touch is not enough. I need a little bit more. Jesus. And you see, and you see, when you move towards Jesus, now you get the gravy on top. You see, Jesus said, wait a second, hold up. Were there not ten of y'all? How is it that only one has come back to, 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 to glorify God? And oh, by the way, where are they? Where are they? It was as if they didn't return at all. And Jesus says, only this one has come back. This foreigner. This Samaritan, this person who we did not expect, this one who was cast off. Brothers and sisters, the story of the ten lepers is a story about me and you. You see, what you want to understand, what I need you to understand is that Jesus did something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. And so we walk around thinking that because he gave me a $50 bill, that all I have to expect from Jesus is a $10 bill. But you see, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you partner with Jesus, the more you hang out with Jesus, then, then, then you get this. Verse 19, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. You see, <laughs> I don't know if y'all are getting this, but brothers and sisters, here's our condition. Here's our condition. You could be physically sick and emotionally sick. That is where many people are. And when this happens, you usually are discouraged and you are depressed. You, you, you are what we would call spiritually weak. That's where a lot of people are. Physically sick in their bodies, but also emotionally sick in their hearts and in their mind. You also have people that are physically healed. They're, they look good and they're doing well, but emotionally they are sick as well. You see, this is where some people are. But then there are others who are physically sick, but they're emotionally well. You know, it's that, I don't know, but I'm sick going to praise him kind of spirit. I got all kinds of hell breaking loose in my life, but I still will hold on to him. You've got some of those people, and those people are what we call spiritually hungry. Their bodies are falling apart, but they're holding on to their Jesus. Things are not going well in their life, but they're holding on to Jesus. They are hungry that at any moment, at any time, Jesus can do a miracle. That's where some people are. But then you got those who are physically healed, and they're emotionally well. They look like everything is going well in their lives. But brothers and sisters, the reason why I'm bringing this 
this to you is because I want you to see that no matter whether you're physically sick or emotionally sick, whether you're physically healed or emotionally sick, whether you're physically sick or emotionally well, whether you're physically healed or you're emotionally well, the bottom line is you all need to be saved through grace by faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how you think you are. You need to be saved. That's the message. You need to be saved. This is what I mean to be healed but not saved. The nine lepers, they were healed. Has God blessed you and brought healing to you in some area of your life? Has God made a way when you didn't have any way to go? Has God opened doors that were once closed in your life? Has God closed doors that need to be closed in your life? Has God done anything for you? There's not a person in this church that God has not sent some kind of healing to you in your life. Whether through your relationships with your spouse or your children, your family members, on your job. God has brought some kind of healing to many of us. But for many of us, the healing was enough for us to turn away. I got what I want from God. I don't need anything else. And God is saying, there is more. There is still more that I have for you. There is still more that you can get. Don't be satisfied with the petty blessing of a new job. Don't be satisfied with the petty blessing of a new car. Don't be satisfied with the petty blessing of maybe a, 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 a new relationship. Don't be satisfied with the petty blessings of anything that this world can offer to you. I'm saying, seek the master. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and all the things that you need will be added unto you. Salvation is a different state of mind. This is when you enter the realm of spiritual maturity. This is the place where it doesn't matter if things are falling apart or if things are going well. I've got Jesus. And as long as my mind is staying on the Lord, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. So it doesn't matter what state I'm in. Paul says, Paul says, Paul lets us know that listen, whether I'm up or whether I'm down, whether things are going well or if it ain't, it doesn't matter because his strength is made perfect in my weakness and therefore he is sufficient for me. That's the place where you need to be. That's the one leper who turned around and said, listen, forget the priest. I need you, God, to know right now that I am grateful. I am thankful for how you protected me when I couldn't protect myself. I am thankful for how you have watched over my children. When, they were, when things were falling apart and I could not do anything to help them. I am thankful for you when I didn't know where that next bill was going to get paid or how. But you opened up a door. I am thankful that when I wasn't feeling so good in my body, but I needed to get to work. You made a way that I was able to be there so my family wouldn't be in need. I am thankful that, that, that God, you, 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 you've, you've, you've healed Twain. 
when a grandmother prayed that there is no more need for a doctor. I am grateful. And so even Regina, we pray for Gary because the same God that brought healing to the tent is the same God that will bring healing to him as well. It's the same God that when things are falling apart in your life, that you can turn around and say to yourself, what has he done for me lately is one thing. But what is he doing now? And what will he do tomorrow? Look to God. Jesus Christ is the only answer that you have for anything that you are feeling and experiencing in your life. So irrespective of what you're going through, brothers and sisters, I will continue to bless the Lord at all times. And my, his praise will continuously be in my mouth. He delivers us in the midst of persecutions. He provides, us, provides for us when we are in lack and want. He is faithful to us even when we are unfaithful. He saves us when we couldn't even save ourselves. He covers us when we were naked and ashamed. He justifies and sanctifies us so we can be made righteous in his eyes. He loves us despite how much we are unlovable. And most of all, he died for us to set us free. So whether you're a believer or an unbeliever here today, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you think you are all that and a bag of chips or none of that and a bag of asparagus <laughs> or broccoli, oh, asparagus, all the stuff I don't like, right? Whatever you may think about yourself, or wherever you may find yourself today, even now as you're listening to this message in this church, the thing that I want you to understand is that Jesus loves you more than you know. And it breaks his heart every single time that he shows us all his blessings and all we have to offer back to him is our ingratitude. What must that be like to be on the cross, pierced, wounded, where the very people who are shouting, crucify him, crucify him, He's looking in their faces and in their eyes. And he's remembering, I healed your brother. I made a way for your sister. I did this for you and you didn't even know that it was me. You're happy that you're home and things are well in your home right now. And here you are shouting, crucify me. Crucify him. I don't know what you hear. But I serve a risen Savior. That in spite of me, he still would say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So as the 103rd Psalm reminds us, and I'll close, praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion, who satisfies our desires with nothing but good things, so that our youth is renewed like that of eagles. Brothers and sisters, that's Jesus. That's the God we serve. 
And as I have titled this message, Healed But Not Saved, I want you to know that that's biblical. That's biblical. And I can prove it. Because as Jeremiah tells us in the 17th chapter and the 14th verse, O Lord, if you heal me, I will be truly healed. And if you save me, I will be truly saved. My praises are for you alone. Don't leave this church being healed but not saved. You need the salvation of Christ. Because the healing will come. The bodies will still decay. The car will still get outdated. The house, somebody else is going to live in it one day other than you. But the salvation of Christ is yours forever. So I invite you all to stand at this time as we prepare to leave this place. We're all lepers in our own way. All of us in need of the Savior. But I open up the doors of the church right now to someone who you're standing on the sideline in the village and you're in need of the healing and the salvation that Jesus Christ brings. And I offer you today the Master is passing through this village.